question, am I giving up? What's the difference? What's the difference between talking about am I reaching up and am I giving up? And let me tell you that there is a, a difference, and, and I think it's a significant difference. Last week we were talking about our dependence. Last week we were talking about not to worry about the things of our life, not to worry about what we'll eat, what we'll wear, what we'll drink, but to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, to recognize in our life that we have a responsibility in order to focus our life and plan our life in accordance with God's Word and to trust Him with those basic necessary elements of human existence. And if I am trusting Him and keeping my dependence on Him, He's never going to let me down. That's a promise from God's Word. And there's a huge difference, I believe, between depending on God for daily provision and submitting to God for the path of life. Because you see, you might be in here and you might be having difficulties and you might be having some needs and troubles in your life and you're saying, okay, pastor, what I'm supposed to do is put my focus on God and not allow these things to, to have that place of preeminence in my mind, but to live my life founded on the principles and the promises of God's Word, and I can trust that He's going to take care of me. You can co- go in here, or you could have went out of here last week saying, okay, I'm going to trust God daily for my dependence. I'm going to put my trust every day for my provision in God. And it is one thing to trust God for your daily provision and yet still miss that very important component of, of that and to realize that God wants us to give Him our life. He doesn't just want us to trust Him for the needs of every day. The, what God is desiring, what Christ came, was not just to, to be this person that we're able to call out on and He provide everything. He's, he's not in the business and doesn't desire to just be, in, in essence, a spiritual vending machine. That's not God's desire. What God desires above all other things is that we would know Him. That we would have, that there would be a strong relational component, an ongoing faith relationship with His Son. And God doesn't just want to give me food for today. God doesn't just want to provide enough water for me to drink. God doesn't just want me to not worry about my life, but He wants me to take my life and give it to Him for the purpose of living out His plan for me. Last week was depending depending on God for our provision. Today is surrendering our life to God. Isn't it awesome? I mean, let me just stop here for a second. Isn't it an awesome thing When we sing about God's majesty, sing about God's holiness, to sing about God's sovereignty and His awesomeness. And you know, when you and I come in here and we're we're reading those words and hopefully our heart is also reading those words and our mind is just flooded with this this idea and this, this vision of just how big and how great God is. I can't help but think the greater I understand God is, the smaller I see myself. And I can't help but think, just as majestic as He is, and as I begin to realize and and try to explore the depths of His holiness, I begin to see my sins so much clearer. You may remember Isaiah when he was called as a prophet, and he beheld the vision of the Lord high and lifted up in the temple. And you may remember that when he saw that vision of the holiness of God and when he spoke that that the rafters shook and the cherubim and the seraphim were flying around, do you remember what Isaiah said? He said, woe is me, for I'm undone. 
Meaning I'm going to be destroyed. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. Isaiah realized that this vision of the holiness of God did not just show Isaiah who he was, who God was, but it showed Isaiah who he was. And you know, as I think about this, I've messed up a lot of things. Truth be known, I've messed up a few things this morning already. You know what? If the truth be known, I am, by, I am so far away from perfect. I am so far away from God's standard of holiness. And if we're going to be true in our heart, according to the Scriptures, we are too. And it's an incredible thing for me to consider that that majestic, great, almighty, awesome, sovereign God does not just want something to do with my life. He does not just want something to do with my life. He wants all of my life. He wants to incorporate me into his plan. He wants to partner. He wants me to partner with him. He wants me to be a part of what he is doing in the world. God is not afraid or ashamed to call me his child, to call me his son. He is not ashamed to call me his friend. He is not ashamed to recognize me as one of his own. That is Humbling. God's will, God's plan, God's purpose is never anything to be shied away from. It's never anything to be scared of. It's something to we should embrace with great humility because that God not just manifested Himself in the flesh of His Son, sent His Son to the earth to die on the cross for us, but He incorporates us into what He's doing. What is he doing? Notice this first thing this morning. Jesus, obviously, as he's extending this invitation, he's saying, look at verse 28. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who labor, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, there are a lot of things, first thing this morning, there are a lot of things that we can be burdened down with. Jesus was speaking to people who obviously were carrying this great weight on their shoulders. And I know that you and I last week spent a lot of time talking about how our worry over finances, our worry over resources is something that can definitely weigh us down. And I hope some of you received some relief last week by casting your cares on Christ. But out of all those things that we can be burdened about and worry about, in the context in which Jesus is speaking, it believes that, I believe that there's one thing in particular that he was speaking of. There's one particular burden that these people were carrying. When Jesus rebuked the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, he pronounced great woes on the religious leaders of the day. And one of the things he was so upset with them about was that they were heaping all of these burdens on the people, Jesus said, that you never intend to carry. They were adding to the law. They were interpreting the law their own way and they were taking those interpretations and they were piling them on the shoulders of the people saying you have to do this and this and this and this and this on top of everything else. You see, Jesus was speaking to a group of people that no doubt had been burdened down by the weight of the religious obligations that the religious leaders were placing on them. You know... You may say, wait a second, Pastor, I don't suffer from that. That's not something I'm worried about. That's not something that's plaguing my soul. Do you know why it was a burden to those people? 
to be carried down with all of those tradition of the elders and all of those extra teachings that were weighing them down that they could no longer even lift up. You know why it was a burden to them? Because they cared, obviously, about trying to please God. They cared about trying to please God. Let me tell you something. It is so easy for us to get in our mind that we have to that we have to strive and do certain things in order to please God. Now, don't get me wrong. The scripture says that there are things that are well pleasing to God. We looked at that actually Wednesday night. There are there is a life that we can live that pleases God. We know that that God is pleased when we exemplify and demonstrate our faith in him. We know that when we are actively living out our faith, that is something that pleases God. We know that when we are in the vine, that, that, and connected to the vine and living that abundant life, abiding in Christ, that pleases God. So we understand that there are things that we can do to please God, but maybe like these people, you're walking around thinking you have to, to carry this burden and you're trying so hard to come and be a person that is being good enough for God. You see, those people were burdened and worried and concerned because they cared. They wanted to please God. They wanted to do what was required, but the weight that was on their shoulders was so heavy. You see, here's the problem, and please hear this very carefully, that the problem with the burden that we carry, when we carry that burden of always trying to be good enough for God, the problem with that burden is it is doubly heavy. Doubly heavy. Because whenever we're trying to carry that burden of trying to be good enough for God, we're also carrying with it the burden of guilt because we realize we're unable to do it. It's not just me saying, all right, God, I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to live good enough for you. God, maybe some of you this morning have never encountered a relationship with Jesus Christ because you always felt like you were never good enough and you were waiting until that day when you got good enough in order to come to Christ. And the problem with that is it is twice as heavy. It's the burden of trying to please God and the burden of guilt that you carry because you realize you are unable to accomplish it. And I believe that's where those people were. Weighted down with the religious requirements, tradition of the elders all the outside work. And Jesus extends an invitation. Praise God that His invitation that stood for the people of His audience 2,000 years ago still stands as an open invitation to all of us. Come to Me, all you who labor and are burdened down. And notice what it says. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. There may be some this morning that right where you're at, you know, that word rest sounds so good. Not a physical rest as much as a spiritual rest. Maybe you're tormented and troubled by many things. Maybe you find yourself under great burden of guilt, or a sense of religious obligation. And maybe this morning when I read over those words, I will give you rest, said Jesus, maybe something within you just sighed. Maybe within you something just released. 
Maybe for the first time you realize that you and I will never be good enough. Never be good enough to warrant God's favor. We'll never be good enough to warrant or earn a right standing with God. That is why He sent His Son, Jesus. Because there's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said our best deeds are as filthy rags. What God knew was that none of us were able to earn it. None of us were able to achieve it. So He provided for free that which you and I could not do. Folks, Saturday, I spent three hours and 15 minutes in a service. And it was, a, it was at a Jewish synagogue. And I thought I was going, I mean, I, I was really excited to, to, to be there. It was a family bar mitzvah, not mine. Um, there may be some pictures floating around on the internet with me with a basketball yarmulke on my head. Um, but guys, I've got to tell you something. I opened up their book. And on, on one side it had the Hebrew, the, the, their scripture reading out of the Torah. And on the other side it had the English translation. And mixed in with that were, were some songs that they would sing. And, and there were no instruments. And, and, and it was just all voices. And I remember I was looking over that songbook. And guys, just knowing what I was going to be preaching on, it was just heartbreaking. Because I would read on, of course I wouldn't read the Hebrew, but on the other side on the English, I would read that, that for certain Sabbaths, they were supposed to read certain scriptures and certain, sing certain songs in certain orders. And I, couldn't, I can't tell you how many times that I, I wasn't so much focused on the words because they were talking too fast and it was distracting because it was in Hebrew. And I remember that I just started reading the book. And I can't tell you how many times I read the book and it would say here, it said in little print, when you say the words holy, go up on your toes. When you say holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, you were supposed to go holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then it said in here, at a certain part of the service, you're supposed to, to bow over. And when you say these certain words, you're supposed to turn and face a certain direction. There was even a line in their prayer book that said, if in this service you have missed this psalm, turn to the book of the law to see what you're supposed to do. And I was looking around. I remember I wasn't even looking at the rabbi that was leading. I, I was looking around at everybody and as they were singing, just to see these people bouncing up on their toes. And from the outside, they had all of this religious ceremony. They had all of this that seemed to be going on and it seemed to be very diligent and it seemed like, like, like they were doing what they were supposed to do. But I can't believe that the God that I read in the New Testament is pleased with our outward display. As much as he is the inward change. These people were incredibly religious. I love them and my heart broke for them. Seeing them bounce on their toes. Saying the words, holy, holy, holy. Come to me. Don't think that was in my mind. Come to me. All you who are burdened and heavy laden and I will give you rest. There's a people that need rest. First, there are those who are burdened. Second, praise God, there is a remedy available. Jesus says, come to me. He doesn't say, 
Some of you have heard this before, but he doesn't say come to a religion. He doesn't say come to a church. You all know what I feel about the church. The church is God's vehicle and instrument for proclaiming his name throughout all the world. I love the church. It is the bride of Christ. But what Christ is saying to those who are burdened and heavy laden is come to me. You see, when he says come to me, I have to remember something. He's not just telling them where to come. He's telling them where not to go. He's saying that there are all these other places and all these other things that you could be doing, but I don't want you to worry about those. I don't want you to go there. I want you to turn the direction of your feet and come to me. No doubt, he's speaking to real people. He's speaking to people who are all around, who are burdened and, 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 and laid down with heavy weights on their shoulders. And He's saying, come here to Me. Come to Me. It's not about a religion. It's not about a building. It's about a personal, real faith relationship with Jesus Christ. You ought to notice that Jesus is the one that said, come to me. He's the one who initiated it. He knows we're broke. He knows we're blind. He knows we're sheep. He didn't expect the sheep to seek out the shepherd. You see, God has always expected the shepherd to go find the sheep and to bring them in. Here, Jesus initiates the invitation and makes himself the target. Jesus comes to us. Jesus came to them and said, turn the direction of your feet. Turn the way you're going and start toward me. Come tells us where not to go. Jesus is the target. Notice the second thing. There's an action. It sounds... If we were to stomp right there and Jesus says, come to me, it would be maybe a little too vague. We may render our own interpretation and say, well, what does that mean, come to me? Does that mean uh, I pray a certain prayer? Does that mean I... I have to read this or that. No, no, again, remember, it's not about a religion. It's, about, it's not about a hollow religion. It's about a real relationship. If I asked you to come to me, you would know what to do. You would get up out of your seat and you would come here. And you would assume with that word come to me, you would assume that there's going to be something here. You would assume that I'm going to be here. You would assume that there's relationship. You would assume that there's reconciliation. You would assume that there's unity. And that's what Jesus is telling them. He says, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's saying that rest is found in me, but notice the action in the remedy. He says in verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you. Maybe some of us don't know what Jesus was meaning. Maybe this term has lost its its significance maybe for us today, but in Jesus' day, the agrarian lifestyle, it was common that when you would farm, obviously you would use beasts of burden. And over the neck of the beast of burden, you would usually put two, one side by side to do the work. And usually on that beast, you would lock in their neck, long wooden structure, would link it up to the next beast. And then from that, you would be able to control them. You'd be able to, to, to allow them to use their strength and their muscles. To you to be used for the purpose that they were to be that they were created for as a beast of burden to do work. And what Jesus is saying here, guys, is some beautiful stuff. He's saying, You're worried, you're being burdened down and loaded down with this religious 
activity. Worried that you can never please me. Jesus is saying, I want you to stop doing what you're doing there and come to me and link yourself up to me. Neck to neck. Connected, tied for the purpose of plowing the ground. Isn't it? Before I move on to the third point, let me say this. Isn't it remarkable that the God that I told you earlier is so majestic and so awesome, awesome in splendor and great in His majesty? Isn't it amazing that that God in this picture, that Jesus Christ Himself would say, would through this illustration make him out to be look like a beast of burden? I get the lamb. It's innocent. Without blemish and spot, it's beautiful. I get that. I get the turtle dove. Again, innocent, simple. I get some of those pictures. But for Jesus to say, liken himself to a beast of burden, an ox, if you will. Guys, I believe, I believe for those in Jesus' day, knowing what Jesus was talking about, understanding the wooden yoke that went across the shoulders of the beast, Laboring as it's moving forward. At least in my mind's eye, I can picture no greater picture of a beast of burden carrying the yoke than Christ stumbling forward, going down the road to Calvary after his beating. What an incredible picture that must have looked like as a beast tired and and, and working hard and laboring, that Jesus even got to the point at one time that he was unable to carry the cross himself. So what did they do? They laid it on a man named Simon of Cyrene. I believe Jesus wasn't just giving us a great command to say, come to me. Come to me by faith. Come to me in a relationship. Link yourself up with me and go in the same way because those two beasts that are locked together never have to carry their own weight. They are linked up and both of them are working together, going the same direction, doing the same work, and they are connected together. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you come to me, you'll be going my direction, you'll be doing work with me, and you will never carry the weight on your own shoulders by yourself. That's how Jesus... That's how Jesus showed it to all the world. I'm an ox here, and I'm going to allow you to come and link up with me for the purpose of direction and the purpose of work. Never carrying it by ourselves. Notice there's an expectation. There's an invitation, there's an action, and there's an expectation. If you come to me, Jesus said, you will find rest for your souls. Think about those words for a minute. Rest for your souls. Not necessarily rest for your shoulders or rest for your arms or rest for your weary legs, but rest for that spot in your life that is the most important. This tells me 
that I can experience soul exhaustion. This can tell me that my soul can be troubled. This can tell me that there can be issues with my soul. And what Jesus is saying is if you come to me, if you're willing to cast off all of that burden and that weight that you're carrying of trying to please me, and you come to me by faith in a saving relationship, and link yourself up to me, and we get going, Jesus is saying that then, at that moment, you will find rest for your weary, tired, exhausted soul. Let that word be an encouragement. For those of you whose heart rejoiced when you heard me speak of rest and comfort and peace and satisfaction and meaning, when you've heard, when your heart has rejoiced, know that it's only found in Christ. And he makes it clear. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Me. I. My, me, I, my, my. Me, I, my, me, I, my, my. I'm not speaking Hebrew. I underlined those words in those three verses. Me, I, my, me, I, my, my. Seven words in those short three verses. You think Jesus is trying to tell us something? It's not our load. It's one He came to deliver us from. It's an invitation not to where but Him. Jesus, through using those seven in our English language, seven pronouns to describe that this is all about me, He's saying, I am the sinner. So please do not misunderstand me today. I am saying that the secret to a satisfied life, a satisfied soul, do not misunderstand me, is Jesus alone. He is the only one who provides true satisfaction and contentment. There is rest for your soul. Third thing, Jesus doesn't tell us, gospel writer in Matthew does not record how that invitation went. We don't have numbers. Pastors are big on numbers. We could have probably looked in the annual church profile, but I don't know that it would have showed it. Inside church joke. We don't know how it went. Could have been masses. Could have been a few. Could have been some of the religious leaders. It could have been a young boy. I don't know. There's no description on that. All I know is this, is that Jesus offered and extended the invitation to come to Him by faith. To link ourselves up with Him side by side, which we know to be a saving relationship with Jesus, to go the same direction as He's going, working right along, having our burdens eased by His mighty shoulders. And I believe this, that it is a huge, huge decision. Think of what Jesus is saying. You're burdened down here with something that you cannot get off your shoulders without me. You can try to ignore it. You can try to not listen to it. You can try to not let it bother you. But those 
that are carrying that weight on their shoulders of trying to be good enough for God, you are being burdened doubly. It's not about what you and I can do to earn salvation. There is no way we can. We cannot undo the wrong that we've done. I can't live a perfect life in the things that I do that I shouldn't or shouldn't that I do. Jesus came to relieve that burden from me. In Hebrews 12.29, let me end with this. In Hebrews 12.29, the writer is making an appeal to his audience. And he's saying about there are things that are shaken and things that are not shaken. God has chosen some things to be shaken so that the things that cannot be shaken will be clearly seen. And in Hebrews 12.29 and 12.28 and 12.29, he starts speaking about how we should serve God, knowing that God is awesome and that God is powerful and that God is amazing. And God, and that we should serve Him with reverence and fear. Reverence and fear. A holy, righteous respect. And in verse 29, the author gives the reason why. He says, For our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. What a description of God. Not many weeks ago, you and I probably all got to see the effects of the wildfires that plague the West. You couldn't turn on the TV without seeing some cedar trees going up in smoke or fire surrounding houses. You know, here's something about that fire. Had they, firemen, not worked to stop it, it would have licked up everything that was combustible. If they didn't stop it, if they didn't start, start working in order to remove that which is combustible out of the fire, either by changing it by water or, or dampening it or, or even removing a line of trees to get out of the way or to burn everything so that they could make a line, if they didn't stop it, those fires would burn everything that was combustible. What a description of God. That He is a consuming fire. He will burn up. He will use. He will utilize everything in our life that is combustible. He will take all that we give Him. And I'm afraid that when I'm speaking about our surrender to God, in our minds we translate it a partial surrender. I give God a couple hours on Sunday. I give God a little bit when the plates pass. I give God a lot when the plates pass. Either way. I give God a, uh, some thoughts through the day. God is not interested in having a portion or a part. He's interested in consuming our life. He is interested in calling the shots and directing our life. Why? Because He wants to lord over us. I believe that the Bible says that God's ways are good. And He's leading me to a purpose that He created and formed me for. And I'm never going to be satisfied outside of his purpose and his plan for my life. And I want to ask you this very important question. All of the religious talk aside. 
all of the religious words aside, let me ask you a really simple question. Where do you stand with God? Where do you stand with God right now? At this moment. Would you consider yourself in your heart right now this morning? Would you consider yourself to be that one who's saying, God, I've tried to please you and I failed. God, I've tried to be good enough. Are you one of those that I mentioned earlier that is trying to clean yourself up for the purpose of being good enough for God? It doesn't line up with the Bible. It doesn't line up with Scripture, and you're never going to be able to do it. It is a lesson in futility. Today, can you take that double burden load off of your shoulders and cast your cares on Jesus? Can you say in your heart this morning, God, I have messed up? God, I have failed? I may have a few moments where I shine, but God, most of the time I mess up. And God, today I come to you with my failures. I come to you with my insecurities. I come to you with my issues. I come to you with all of my baggage and my luggage, and I throw it on your shoulders. And I willingly, today by faith, say, Jesus, I can't save myself. You died on the cross for me 2,000 years ago. You shed your blood, your perfect blood for my sins. And today, I receive that free gift. And I give you my life.